0: Kia and welcome to the next episode of Power Up, a podcast powered by Venture Taranaki and produced by Raw Collective. Here we celebrate the region's entrepreneurs with their trailblazing spirit and their can-do attitude. Taranaki innovators are leaving their mark on the world, but living the famous Taranaki lifestyle. I'm your host, David Downs. Taranaki is a region where the unique, natural and business environments collide to create a place where people can flourish and achieve their full potential. No my my. we welcome you to hear our enterprising future like no other. Today's guests are corporate investors Michael and Rachel Perrott. Michael and Rachel are the directors of Chillaxing, an investment company that invests in businesses and people from a wide range of sectors, including insurance, nanotechnology, farming, and IT. They're also the owners of the Green School in Oacra. A future-focused primary and intermediate school that's based around sustainability and all-around education that includes much more than just classroom learning. We'll talk about Michael's career as one of the driving forces behind the growth of ventilation company HRV, the remarkable story behind how they founded The Green School and lots more. Michael and Rachel have a unique story and purpose with heartwarming belief in good people that trumps their financial goals, which is not something you'd expect to see in many investment companies but together they are helping to change not only the way we educate our children, but businesses across a wide range of sectors. Enjoy. So Michael and Rachel, tell me, where have you come from today? I've been in the garden today. Oh, good on you. Show us your hands. They're not looking very gardeny, I have to say.
1: Yeah, he has had a shower before he came over. Oh, nice. That's <laughs> good. He was yeah, fatty. and I wear
0: gloves, of course. Rachel, what, did, what were yes, you doing? Yes,
1: and I've come from the school side as well.
0: Oh, okay. So the garden's part of the school. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that because obviously there's a big part of it. it's called green for a reason, presumably. That's right. I guess the first question I've got is why on earth would you set up a school? Isn't that the state's job?
1: Well, we became very passionate parents when we saw what happened to our children. So, yeah, yeah we felt that as entrepreneurs, um, we had to do something for the children of New Zealand.
2: And based around choice and variety, which also happened to be, you know, some of the mandates of a of the New Zealand education system. Yeah. We were offering choice yeah. and an alternative.
0: Okay, let's go back a little bit then because, you know, it's, I'm curious now, I'm curious about this, the green school. First of all, how did you two meet? Let's let's talk about you two as a couple because you're in business together, but you're also in a relationship.
1: Yeah, mm. well, we met um, a long time ago at Massey University in, oh. in 1994.
0: Oh, I, was, I went to Massey a little <laughs> so, bit earlier than that.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> cold place, Palmerston North, isn't it? Yeah. I'd be pleased to get back to New Plymouth
2: after that. The only place I've ever worn two coats. Oh yeah. During the day inside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. What were you studying?
1: I studied uh, statistics and operations research, okay. and then I followed it up with a postgrad in management.
2: And after an amazing certificate of public relations course with WIT, what is now known as oh, WIT, WIT. Yes, Taranaki yes. Polytechnic, then yeah, I went on to Massey University as well. I quickly learnt that I was uh, better at doing business than yeah. studying business yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah for me Massey University wasn't really a place that I needed to remain so I followed Rach on her career for some time yeah After she actually graduated.
0: You haven't graduated? No. Have I you? Yeah, no,
2: no. Like everyone that will sit in these seats, or not everyone, but uh, many people that will sit in a seat with you, David, no, I did not graduate. Actually, you are the third failure in
0: a row today.
2: Thank you very much. appreciate it. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, due to those failures, we thought that, um, you know, offering something else was well overdue. Yeah. We saw the successes globally of other education models. We've invested a lot of time in travel. Yep. and experiencing these other opportunities in education. And by far, the North Star for us was Green School.
0: Yeah. We're going to get to that, but I mean, I'm just curious more about the backstory here because people ending up setting up their own school, there's obviously something going on. So you finished university and Michael, I think you did marketing, but you went into sales after that. I see on your CV you worked to Telstra for a while. Yeah. So
2: marketing strangely is sales.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's sales with no targets.
2: Yeah. Right. So <laughs> no, look, I'm, I like to achieve something. I like to do something, have a result at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, So, yep. so um, sales is kind of more natural. Yeah,
2: so sales was uh, exciting for me and having the opportunity to work for massive companies like Blue Star, Cogent Communications, Telstra was part of my graduating, I suppose. I started at door knocking and learned a lot from some very successful people, yeah. ran and operated very large telecommunications businesses, and then Eventually, learning off sixty-year-old professionals yeah. who had done it all before was, you know, the crowning glory of my um, apprenticeship. I, I that, suppose they sort call of it. taught
0: you the, the ways of marketing and sales. Yeah, and then you did something with HRV, didn't you? Home ventilation.
2: Yes. Yeah. We um, we found a, a very special opportunity in HRV. I actually uh, was roofing with Brendan Back. Yeah. Uh, he and his father and family-owned um, Taranaki Steel Form was a fabulous business. Yeah. And uh, we were putting a roof on. We're standing up there, and I realised very quickly that the charcoal roof was very, very hot. Right. identified that that was an energy source. I put some thermometers in roof cavities, monitored the results of the solar gain and the humidity measurements available. And then we set about creating a way in which we could harvest that freely available
0: energy. Ah, Sounds like the beginnings of, a, of something in the sustainability kind of realm as well. So there's obviously a little bit of a thread here through your career. Yeah, I don't think you get anyone that
2: pushed the sustainability barrow harder than HRV did. Yeah, uh, we um, you know put a lot of pressure on different uh, segments of of well being. Yeah, of uh, you know we were instrumental in the beginnings of the healthy home movement itself. Without yeah. HRV and similar companies, there would have never ever been the level of education required so that people knew that there was something better. Yeah, uh, that they didn't have to live in those conditions
0: yeah so Rachel you you met at university you obviously went off and did these other career things and you've ended up having a clutch of children three I believe yes
1: yeah that's right what flavour are they our eldest son William he's 15 and then we've got twin girls that have just turned 11 oh
0: fantastic oh you're in the hard teenage years yeah fun times I've got three children as well. They're wonderful things, of course, but can be challenging. You mentioned that part of your personal story is the fact that you'd seen the education system through the lens of your own children. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I think it's probably easiest or best summed up when our son was asked a similar question from a friend when we returned back from Bali after about a year and a half of being in Bali. And uh, they said to him, if you could sum up green school Bali in one word, what would it be? And pretty much without hesitation, he said love. Wow. And then... Their conversation continued, and later on I probed him about what he meant by that. And he said, well, the teachers love being at school, Mum. The kids love being at school, and even the parents love being at school. And from that place of love comes learning, comes passion, comes well-being. Yeah. Everything comes out of it.
0: So what brought you to Bali? I mean, why did you take your family to
1: hmm.
0: you know Indonesia to go to school? Apart from, obviously, yeah. it's a beautiful place to be. but
1: what Yeah, intend- well, we were looking for an educational adventure, um, and we were looking at lots of countries all over the world. Yeah. A thing that struck us about Green School was, one, it was English-speaking, yeah. so that made things a little bit easier. Didn't have at, to learn Balinese. <laughs> <my> <laughs> um, well, we did while we were there, right. but it was easy that the first language there was English. Um, we were wanting to go for six months at the time, yeah. and the sustainability aspect was really, really appealing to us because it has been what our, our businesses have been about. Yeah. Uh, that's something that certainly is a big passion of both of us.
0: So what is it like physically, the, the Bali Green School? Is it in a kind of a campground well, or something? Yeah, it's
1: literally built in a jungle. Yeah. Um, so it's a whole lot of bamboo buildings. Um, there's about 40 buildings in Bali, all made out of bamboo. No walls, completely open, extremely hot, yeah. as you can imagine.
0: No okay. air conditioning?
1: No air conditioning, oh. no. Um, it's uh, 100% uh, powered by hydro and solar now.
0: Yeah. And what are the kids learning there? We'll talk about your school, but what yeah. you know in, the, in that environment, are they learning about the jungle and the, the animals and the, all that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah, well, it's taking um, – the baseline is the UN SDGs, the right. Sustainable Development Goals. Um, so they'll take – Nine a, of
0: them or something, aren't 17.
1: 17.
0: Okay, them, they've added some since I last looked at yeah. it. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> so they're looking at them each block and which goal they're looking at. Oh, okay. And then it's really about um, partly the children actually finding within that topic – Where they want to take it, and and what resonates with the children, and then the teacher guides them towards a learning outcome. Yeah, very much. Yeah,
0: fantastic. Did you, Michael? Did you enjoy living in Bali? Yeah,
2: it was uh, it was outrageous, um, but not as good as uh, New Zealand. And yeah? half as good
0: as Taranaki. So, oh, um, yeah, nice.
2: we, we were making sacrifices being in Bali. It's yeah. not my cup of tea, you know.
0: From a family point of view, I'd imagine the wider family point of view, you're missing family that aren't there. Yeah, it's
2: an extremely challenging place to live. Uh, it's confronting as well. Yeah. There's lots of hypocrisy, lots of challenges, lots of disappointments. It's quite intense. To be there. So we were there, like so many others, David, simply for Green School. It's important. We weren't there. Yeah, we weren't there to celebrate having uh, the ability to be there. We were there on a mission. Yeah. It's certainly easier to live in Taranaki than it is to live in Bali. And this is where we're from. So the whole time we were there, we always wanted to come home. Yeah. We just continued to experience magic and, and advancement in our children. We asked them at several term junctions whether they'd like to continue or not. There was unanimous they'd like to continue. So yeah, our six-month adventure to try to allow our children to become advocates, to be unique and advocate for their own interests, their own learning, actually grew far, far bigger than what we would ever have imagined.
0: So 18 months later, you find yourself still there, still learning, but thinking maybe we need to recreate this magic and this love. Yes, in our um, hometown,
2: that hypocrisy. One of those confronting things is knowing that there are, whilst there's five hundred local scholars we call them the, the Balinese children from the village that attend English classes after school yeah. and enjoy the very fast Wi-Fi on campus, yeah. and fourteen thousand visitors per annum, dozens of teachers enrolling in, in teacher training. We were aware of the people that were missing out, and right. you know we've been working with uh, Kenyan education organisations for well over a decade. We know where need uh, exists, and it just seemed a pity that more children weren't able to experience what we were experiencing, even from a part-time scenario. So, you know, a camp, uh, an experience, a visit to the campus.
0: The Kenyan experience you're talking about there, just can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Our children all have
2: uh, Kenyan sisters and brothers. Since our boy William was born 15 years ago, we've been sponsoring an education organisation over there and have visited And that really speaks to what we gave our children as they grew up. There were no blinkers. They had a worldview. They thought in systems. They were uh, critical thinkers. They were engaged in their surroundings. They had experienced safari, for example. And yet when we brought them back at school age, we saw those blinkers come on. We saw them narrow their view. We saw them concentrating on memory schools. Right, like just memory schools. Yeah. And, you know, that's fine for people that have a really good memory. We wanted them to have a much more rich understanding of the world, and we knew we had to remove those blinkers. Yeah, So that is
0: why we went to Bali. I love what you just said there about memory skills, because it seems to me that the predominant paradigm in education is around memorization and creating kind of work units, like people who are set up for an era that no longer exists. So, that, I mean, obviously there's this sort of underpinning pedagogy or kind of learning model to what you guys are doing, that, that breaks that mould.
2: Yeah, and thank you for um, suggesting that we're doing it. Yeah, I just on, like yo. to yeah. <laughs> no, well, I'd just like to acknowledge the people that we brought in to achieve that goal. And uh, if we look to them, we gain a lot more confidence. I'm sure five minutes with our head of school, Chris Edwards, would set your concerns at ease. He's a guy who ran the largest high school in the world who's actually here in Taranaki
1: yeah.
2: on Kuru Road with us. So we have brought the very, very best that we could find here to Taranaki. So many years of searching, lots of design, it all begins with design, but also feasibility studies as yep. well. So Parthenon, Ernst Young, uh, ex-executives, Karen Kremicka, Simran Singh, um, Tommaso Tommoli. These guys are the names that you want to mention if you're building a school because combined, they've launched 1,500 schools together. Karan Krimka, for example, serves on the board of some of the largest schools in the world, if not all of the largest schools in the world. So they bring their expertise to us. We distill and port the magic from Bali and we overlap our own uh, culture, our own needs here in New Zealand. Yeah, And we come up with Green School New Zealand.
0: That's a fantastic recipe. But we've missed a little step, haven't we? Because you, you're in Bali and now you're, you've set up a school. So there was a point there, obviously, where you went, actually, you know, let's take this back to New Zealand. Talk us through that. You know, What was that process like? Because it was the one thing to be a consumer of a green school as another thing to actually set one up. I'm sure that's a big jump.
1: Well, it started off, I think, with the children uh, wanting both... To be in New Zealand and the clean air and yeah. the beauty that we have here, but also loving the green school. So they made the suggestions. You know, why don't we have a green school in New Zealand?
0: Damn it! You teach kids to think, and then they yeah. think.
1: And, and then I have a very creative husband whose uh, mind goes, "Yeah, absolutely, that's doable. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> we up can to do something. It. We yeah. can do that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's certainly been." A, you know, really challenging and, and difficult to set up a school and a, a lot more difficult than our other businesses. And I think we've, I don't know, had 43 different businesses over the years and wow. still. So this is certainly very unique to be in the education yeah. sector. Yeah, as
0: Michael said, it starts with that design kind of so concept.
2: We have interest in insurance and nanotechnology. Yeah. Uh, the list goes on, some dozen odd sectors. The Green School is by far the most important Project yeah. we've ever done. That's from you know from a parent from a father's point of view, but from an entrepreneurial point of view, which is what we're focusing on today, it was just a no brainer. Yeah, you know this might be new to some in Taranaki, and we're seeing people discovering our brand over the last couple of months, and that's fabulous. Yeah. and yeah, we're slowly but surely educating our community on what our intent is, you know, what our purpose is, and why we're here. But the Green School brand was already a shining star. Yeah, I mean, I could talk for a long time about our individual experiences, the experiences of my friends, what we saw in their children, our children, but I think Banky moon summed it up best when he said that of all of the schools that he'd visited across the globe, Green School was by far the most unique school he'd ever experienced. Wow. You know, we need to remember that whilst it's new, to someone who picked up the Daily Rag here in Taranaki, this is a a decade-old brand that is featured in Time magazine, CNN, NBC, uh, and on and on and on the media goes. One of your questions, for example, was how did we attract people? I I really need you to know they'd already been attracted.
0: They knew the brand. They sought
2: you out. Yeah, we were just giving people another option, and then a third option in South Africa, for example, and then Tulum in Mexico as well. So this is a a substantial education company that we are lucky to have here in Taranaki, if I can stand back from it. And, yeah, we give the kudos to the founders of Green School and we give the acknowledgement to the pioneering parents over the last decades and would like to reach back into those archives and show you and show everyone how much cut through, how much reach, how much influence this brand actually has you know, at one stage we were thinking maybe we needed to just keep to ourselves, stay up Koru Road, remain under the radar, yeah. enjoy our induction year, you know, transition our parents. But the brand ensured that there wasn't a, a possibility. Yeah. It's extremely robust, almost self-healing. We're patrons of the Green School Foundation, yeah. which intends to share the school outside of those usual destinations that you'd expect.
0: Yeah. So are you part of a network then, the Green School network around the world? Is it is like a franchise or a...
2: We co-founded Green School International
0: Yeah. Uh, with John and Cynthia Hardy. Right. So
2: we brought the urgency to a project which was already underway. Yeah. John's audacious Green School dream, uh, it's a TED talk, a couple of million views maybe, yeah. was all about having multiple campuses. So we attached to that and right. made that possible, given our experience in replication. Yeah, um, you know, for lack of a better word,
0: franchising. Yeah, yeah. Licensing, and, and so you've far. got the you've got the investment company. I think it's called Chillaxing, isn't it? Chillaxing, a yeah. good name for a company. It yeah. doesn't describe what you're doing very well by the sound of it.
2: No, and we don't have a website, and uh, we would, would like to re- remain a mystery. But it's a it's a family investment office, yeah. David, and it's a direct protest for those who choose um, a robust english name for their organization they reach into history they, yeah. they try to you know attach that level of glamour to themselves well you know we were anti-establishment yeah. we were people planet profit with richard branson yeah not last week yeah. uh, like green school has the sdgs baked into it for yeah. for over a decade we didn't just do a module on it last week
0: yeah.
2: Uh, and then have a test. That's right. Yeah. So we've memorized these this. 17 yeah, yeah. things. That's <laughs> I know, completely no, no, antithesis. I'm not going to try to do that. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're all learning yeah. those 17. So we use them as a framework uh, and we look to see how we and our department or our, those that we're responsible for are measuring up against those. Yeah. And we acknowledge that. We're all on a journey, so you don't wake up in the morning having got 10 out of 10 for all of the SDGs. Yeah. And that is part of the way in which we welcome people who haven't yet made a step towards a sustainable lifestyle.
0: Yeah. You talk about the people, planet, profit model, which is, I think, fascinating. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that, maybe, Rachel? Yeah,
1: well, well well-being's at the centre of... Pretty much everything we do at Green School. Yeah. Um, so we put all our curriculum through three lenses, which are well-being, sustainability, and systems thinking. So through those three lenses is where we come from—a place of of teaching the children. So well-being is paramount in order for children to feel safe, yeah. um, and in order for them to learn. So when you come onto our campus, interestingly, some new students looking at, at joining the Green School next year came onto the campus and and I asked them in one word to describe how they felt. Their words were calm, relaxed, safe, which is really fascinating for me to to reflect on that, that they feel that way when they walk onto the campus because when you come to the campus, it's an ex-dairy farm. Yeah, um, so it's a huge paddock with these walkers. It's um, pretty cool-looking walkers in it too. Very, aren't they? very cool. Yeah. but it's it's completely different to walking into your normal high school, which is big, tall, concrete yeah. buildings,
0: angular, and you and know. very
1: um, enclosed. Yes. as well. So when you walk onto our campus, everything's spacious. You're looking out. You can see the mountain. You can see the ocean.
0: Yeah. So tell us what's a day in the life for a student at the Green School. Oh, they get there at eight thirty-five. The bell goes. They're told to pull up their socks. They have to go to assembly. They have to the, check their homework was done. They have detention. Is, is it that kind of
1: stuff? No, no, we don't have much of that language really? at, oh, okay. at all. Oh, well, um, we're we're, it. we're re- reinventing it all. So they do follow a timetable yeah. and uh, they have their proficiencies within that timetable. And then we have voyages, yeah. which we take the children on every term as a different voyage. So that voyage is leading us to certain learning outcomes. And we also go on Hikoi's, which Hikoi's is outdoor education. Yeah. So timetabled and every day of the week, uh, the children will spend a proportion of a day, depending on how old they are, out on an adventure. And that is getting them connected to nature. It's pushing them outside their boundaries. It's teaching them confidence. It's teaching them teamwork and collaboration and...
0: I don't want to be a problem here. I don't want to point out a major problem, which is that it rains a bit in Taranaki. Yeah. Do you take the kids outside in the rain?
1: Absolutely. They love it. Um, oh, absolutely. They Aren't they made of Puddles sugar? of mud. Yep. Really? No, it's connecting with nature, getting your hands dirty. Go on. Yeah. Anyway. They,
0: just, they simply bring a
1: change of clothes, change of
0: clothes to the campus. Yeah. yeah. And through that hikoi and through the the voyages that they're doing and that sustainable development goals, you're basically teaching them a new way to look at the world rather than memorising lists of facts and figures, as Michael was saying.
1: Absolutely. I think a lot of it is about them understanding, one, how they learn, yeah. and two, why they need to learn. Yeah. Um, and rather than being told you have to learn this, if you actually give them real life examples and you take them out on the farm and they can see there's a pest problem, for instance, okay, well, where, where do we start learning from that? And actually doing Something about it, and so we always end up with an action. Yeah. So, and we go local to global as well. So the children are seeing that they're being change makers initially in their own little community, but then how that can go out to the wider community, to New Zealand, to other countries, and understanding within that they've got to look at everything within systems. And I talked about the three lenses and the systems thinking. It is really interesting and important because what. As a solution for us in New Zealand, isn't necessarily a solution for India or yeah. for Africa or... Wherever. So they've then got to look at the cultures, the politics, what's happening in each country to understand yeah. what's actually driving those issues to then come in with a solutions mindset.
2: And we're not experimenting. We're not on the edge. This is not an outlier. This is progress. Yeah. This is what's happening. And it's undeniable. Uh, resistance is, is futile. <laughs> um, yep. You know, if you want to. L- look at the value of standardized examination, first you must know where it came from. Yeah. It's history. And it's quite young. Yeah. We only just started doing that recently. And it's not fit for purpose. Yeah. Not then. And not now.
0: It's convenient, though, for a state-run system to shove everyone into a bell curve and tell the people at the top that they're smart, and the people down the bottom they need to work harder. Well, we we're always tempted to run our businesses in, a, in yeah, an industrial, kind of industrialized,
2: industrialized manner. Yeah. Um, instead of that. There are other alternatives. Now, what are they? So these, David, are data-driven decisions. This is yeah. research-based yeah. education. We could go on about the names that are leading with Green School globally. And I'm always buoyed by our results when we advertise for a teacher. Yeah. And we get 600 applications. Wow. Or 40 nationalities for our head of school. Yeah. Or people are willing to get here under any way shape or means to be part of what we're doing so how do we do that well we provided an opportunity for the most learned people in education globally to realize their their goals yeah their desires what they've always wished that they could just do if only yeah so when we reflect on these waka that you referred to i i tell educators that these are the learning spaces that you design if you were allowed to design the perfect yeah, learning exactly. space. Yeah,
0: they didn't have to come as
2: prefabs off the yeah, back of a trunk. we're monitoring gases inside yeah. these yeah. inside these envelopes. And why? Well, it all starts with design, and uh, without beauty, there's no green school. Yeah. So everything goes back to building beauty so that yeah. when the children walk into these learning spaces, they're learning by just looking. They understand that someone cared enough to Build beauty, a beautiful space, and that inspiration comes as you would expect. But even in more simple terms, we can't teach children how to build sustainably, how to improve construction methods, yeah, whilst us standing in or studying inside a 19th century building, yeah,
0: yeah. studying the.
2: 20th century uh, curriculum. And so the data tells us that when children study in Sunshine, they do better. Yeah. It tells us that, you know, windows are better than no windows. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And it's really important, I think, to say uh, that – Traditionally, you teach towards an exam yeah. and a result from a, an exam or a test. We're not doing that. We're teaching them to understand yeah. what they're learning and how they learn so that they take that into the world and into their jobs and careers, and they know their place within the workplace. Yeah, They know how they can
0: work with others work and, with and others, think collaborate about collaborate. Yeah. yeah, And it's
2: really easy to throw in new norm and uh, and talk about cutting edge and so forth, but this is very much a regenerative approach. This yeah. is already being done. We're reaching back into history. So when people refer to traditional education, I'm asking them of which tradition? Ancient traditions? That's right. New traditions?
0: No, 1940s and 50s yeah. English tradition that right we've there. transplanted and that's about it, yeah.
2: Yeah, so, you know, what part of history are you actually referring to? Yeah. And
1: we very much, we don't, whilst we do guide the children, we also allow them to have failures and we talk about failures being a stick to success because yeah. that is life. Yeah. We all as entrepreneurs have failures. Failures, right? And it's not about having the failure, it's about how you deal with it, that's right. right? How you pick yourself up, how you solve that problem and you get on with it and you dig deep. And so that's what we're teaching the children is that that's okay to fail, let mm. them fail. Whereas traditionally we guide them so much and they're these tender little things that need to get an exam result that they don't actually learn those real life skills yeah. of resilience, of how to deal with failure.
0: And I think the world has changed faster than the education system is able to keep up with it too, because modern business and even government, I work in government, has moved much more to this idea that information is much less relevant than it used to be, because information is basically free now. Okay. Anyone can get it free. So you don't need to memorize stuff anymore, to your point, Michael. But much more important now are interpersonal skills and inquiry and how do you grow as a person? How do you cope with setbacks and failures? How do you cope with setbacks and failures, speaking of that? Tell us about... I'm
1: really good at digging deep and, and getting Going on with again. it. Yeah, Did yeah. you have
0: any real challenges with setting up the Green School in Absolutely, New
1: Zealand? Absolutely, we had loads. Anyway, you <laughs> want to tell us about? Uh, yeah, well, so we're an international destination school, right? Yeah. So we're the first one in the country. So we didn't fit in any government boxes. Yeah. And they have a lot of boxes. There wasn't a form for and, you. And most of them <laughs> require ticks. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't tick a lot of boxes. So it was difficult. And we actually took the children through that journey with us and... They saw some of the failures and the challenges that we approached, and we said, "Right, well, we have to dig deep." And how are we going to get around this challenge? And we're modelling that for our children and for the children that are pioneering at the school now. Yeah. So, yeah, we dig deep. We are very purpose-driven. Yeah. We know why we're here and where we're going, and we just keep that vision inside.
0: And that makes it. I mean, I suppose that vision is the thing that can continues to drive you on those days where it does feel all too hard, and the Various ministries are saying no and all sorts of things are happening. The deep sense of purpose is the thing that will drag you through that. And
1: then you'll have a parent come up to you and say, my child is completely changed. Yeah. And we look at some of the children that have been with us for nearly two years now. Yeah. And they have changed significantly. Mm -hmm. And that's what drives us when you sit with a parent. That's the return on investment right there. absolutely.
0: Yeah. What do you teach kids about? the role of technology in their lives.
1: Well there's a huge amount of learning that has to go on around social responsibilities and that comes into the well-being. We talk a lot about how we are affected yeah. by certain situations, so if that affects us, how does it affect others? How do we put ourselves in someone else's shoes? Yeah. And then it's talking about the well-being and when someone is hurt, for instance. Everyone likes to be approached differently in those situations. One person might want to be hugged and yep. another person might need space. Yeah. So the children are also talking about, this is what I need when Teach oh, I'm Teach them unhappy. a vocabulary yep. yeah. that they can express um, and, themselves. And, mm. and through that, you're teaching them ab- about attaching to their own emotions, other people's emotions. They're then going to think twice before they post something yeah. that's going to hurt someone else. Hey, let's talk
0: about the business of running a, a business like yours, because this is about entrepreneurship. So what you're doing is incredibly worthy. You also are an international business and in that you're attracting people from around the world. And I know of families that have moved to New Zealand and Taranaki specifically to put their children into your school in the same way that you went to Bali. But how do you do that from a place like New Zealand? How do you reach out to those parents that want to find you? And is it kind of worth it?
1: Well, we've found it really easy. Uh, Green School Bali have a great uh, media following and social media, so we do a lot of tapping into social media yep. um, platforms. We haven't invested a huge amount financially into marketing because there is a huge brand awareness already, right. and there's so many stories. We our campaigns are around telling the stories about who we are and what the children are doing when they're at school, um, how they're learning, and showing that journey that the families go on.
2: And regarding. Pay- paid communications, it's important to mention that this global phenomenon, Green School, that we're speaking on, has spent less than $10,000 on above-the-line advertising in the last decade. Really? And here in New Zealand, since uh, we began some time ago, we're under $5,000. Right. I think only just recently we um, placed an advertorial or or a paid spot in Good Magazine, and I believe that's our very first Paid spot, so again it speaks to the momentum that we yeah. inherited, the brand that we encountered. You know, and and as entrepreneurs, it's okay to champion other people's creations as well. Yeah, we saw the value of the brand, and we knew
0: that it was shareable. So when you talk about the Green School in Taranaki, what are the attributes of Taranaki that you try to highlight to people?
1: Uh, the nature-based, the mountain, the ocean. The land, yeah. um, the space that we have, uh, we can go into the ocean and go kayaking on our river. So we're looking uh, at connecting, you know, with our local resources and animals.
0: Yeah. And yeah. that would resonate really well for people from other countries that maybe live in more urban areas. Yes, or we did, did have it. one
1: family that had never seen an apple on a tree before.
0: Wow. <laughs> so. Another question for you. The waka that you talked about earlier were built, I think, and designed, maybe built locally, and you've worked with local suppliers. It's part of the ethos, I suppose, of the place. Tell us about that experience.
1: Yeah, so we do everything locally, Um, well, as much as we can. So we've only sourced three different products from our building envelope outside of New Zealand, and where possible, we go local to Taranaki to support the community. It's been a great experience. We worked with um, Boone Architects um, and BTW Civil Engineers, as well. So we've really pulled together an amazing team. Yeah. We took basically a dairy paddock to a school in nine months yeah. um, from breaking dirt. So it was an incredible pace. We didn't have everything fully designed up front. Uh, we were working really closely with council on building consents as we were building. Right. Um So there was a very collaborative approach. Everyone was very much on board with our mission. Uh, we reduced our waste materials by 60% uh, with Cleland's Construction, another local Fantastic. firm. So we taught them and their staff how to reuse And how to minimise their waste, which brought a lot of pride to their team and they really enjoyed it. Um, You know, one of our first things with them was there's no plastic pump bottles here, bring your um, reusable bottle, and there's no glad wrap. You know, oh. So beeswax wraps you know, and, and little things that they go home and they teach their children about as well um, that are eye opening to them and where they are on their journey. So a lot of it is about this ripple effect of the journey. So even the construction people went on a massive journey throughout the build and it's uh, so neat to see and hear how many people it's affecting That's and right. how many mindsets it's changing.
0: And do you think you'll be able to also influence the education system itself? Like, you know, take some of these concepts and push them back into the mainstream? Well, we
1: mainstream? hope to, because as entrepreneurs, we're the risk takers, right? Government doesn't take risks, as you know. Mm. So once we prove the model, and we can prove that this way of learning benefits everyone, and is good for the child and the community and the country, then it's a no-brainer for the government to take on aspects yeah. of it. So we definitely see that we will be influencing the system. We will always be different and will be ahead and unique in our sustainable approach but certainly I just see it as a no-brainer that they will take on some of what we do
0: fantastic right we're going to finish up in a minute but I've got my last few questions are quick fire round 10 questions this is about you as locals and knowing understanding Taranaki you can't all answer it you've got to take turns okay. maybe okay best place to get an ice cream in Taranaki
1: Oh, Awakura Foursquare.
0: Oh, there you go. Good. Best surf spot, Well Road. Okay. Best late night location. Oh,
1: nice hotel.
0: Oh, okay. Good. Oh, oh. Actually, that's very good. What about lunchtime? Best lunchtime activity. If you had a spare hour in the middle of the day, what would you do? What's a spare hour? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fair fair the, cool. The the foreshore. Okay. Best beach. Back beach. Back beach. It's coming up pretty strong, back beach, actually. It's quite popular, that one. Best mountain adventure, would you go up the north side or the Stratford side or? Kaitakis. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we have a connection with the Kaitakis. We're we're right there. Good on you. Okay. Favorite summit or peak, is it the Shark's Tooth, Fanny Phantoms, or Paratutu? Paratutu. Have you climbed it? Yes.
2: Go on. It's everyone. actually uh, very old. Very, yeah. very old. I must give it a credit. It's the volcanic cone of the past. Of um, the previous previous oh, volcanoes, really? Mm. Oh,
0: I have to look that one up. Thank you. All right, nearly there. Best annual event.
2: Wait, Oh, There we go. Everyone's saying wait, that's, that's a gimme. What's uh, one the Green School International Food Festival? There you go. Okay, <laughs> thank you.
0: What's one myth you'd like to bust about Taranaki? Rugby, racing, and beer. It's not about that, is it anymore? No, it is that's not, 1950s David. That's nineteen fifties mentality. So, yeah,
2: it's not the arts. I mean, we support artists here in Taranaki. Yeah. And the list goes on and on. We've got so much to offer here.
0: Right. Finally, both of you, what's one word you'd use to sum up Taranaki?
1: Like no other.
0: Oh, that's, that's really But you hyphenated it. Albert. It's pretty good. <laughs> She's on brand. <laughs> Hey, thank you both so much for um, sharing your learning with us and your journey, and Michael and Rachel. It's inspiring to talk to you, and it's inspiring to know that there is a generation of New Zealanders who are going to go through and other people who are going to go through this green school and have a different way of thinking. So, thank you for the work you do. Thank you
1: very thank much, Jelena.
0: Thanks so much for listening and a special thanks to Venture Taranaki for making this all happen. I'm sure some of you listening will be guests on this show one day. So if that is you and you have a great idea, make sure you check out Venture Taranaki's Power Up website and get in touch with one of the team. No matter where you're at on your enterprise journey, Venture Taranaki is able to support you and help you power up your idea, your existing enterprise or your startup. They offer awesome services such as one on one startup clinics, mentoring, workshops, business and investment advisor support. This podcast has been proudly produced in Taranaki by Raw Collective. And lastly, please review and subscribe. It helps others find us. Kakite!